So, are you curious? Welcome to the Curiosity Codex. I am your ardent enthusiast, Kyle Olson. With me is my hapless cohort, Rob Cabasco. Good day, sir. Good day, and here we are, our, our big finale. And so uh, I think people have been waiting to hear these words. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. It's time to go all the way back to where it began. The birth of a phenomenon. Kirk, Spock, Bones, Uhura, Chekhov, Scotty, Sulu. From 1966, it's Star Trek, the original series. I'm glad you didn't have me uh, sing the the falsetto <laughs> there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> Don't want to get a Sulu. Yeah, well, no, no, that didn't even sound like it. Yeah, no worries, no worries. No, 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 no. No one's going to mistake. No one's going to mistake. So, so tell me, what was your first exposure to original series? Well, you know, uh, I think I've mentioned I understood that it existed. There was yep. um, residual toy stuff that was still out there. Yep. I had the stupid we talked about, I think, in past things, the, mm-hmm. the helmet, the crazy yeah, helmet. The first episode we talked right, about. Right, yeah, we talked about all the, that stuff. The weird merchandise. The weird. Which, if you want to hear more about, uh, there's an ep- excellent episode of The Toys That Made Us on Netflix oh. that talks all about the Star Trek merchandise. Yes. So I, I would say, once you're done listening to this, go watch that because it's really good and really funny. Oh, and you learn, and honestly, learning about the action figure market at the early days yeah. of all this, it's incredible. Right. Uh, before everything, before Star Wars took over the small action figure thing, there was a much different action figure market. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, you know, I have, I probably as a child of the seventies, remember yeah, a little like bit. It was not on. It was not on yeah. when we were young. But uh, did you like? Did you catch it in syndication? I think I, I, ha- I think I have memories of syndication because I knew of it. Here's my big memory: I always have is that final shot in the credits of that ridiculous alien with the with the eyes and just looking at you oh, on the screen. Yeah. And, and I always remember just thinking, what is that, right? And, and I'll be honest. I also remember when I would catch parts of episodes as a young child, yeah. I, I, I was perplexed and bored uh, sometimes. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that changed tremendously. The movies changed my entire opinion of this. Like, I mean, like, you know, the, the, the original cast movies changed my op- understanding and opinion of Star Trek and of the original series. And I have gone back, watched multiple episodes of the original series. And again, it's, it, it, it is a, um, it's a, a sort of a, an act of faith to say, okay, yes. I'm going to look for the good things. I'm going to look for the nuggets of gold. It's not, it's, it's not all that. There's a reason yeah. why the show, it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. One of them is storytelling and pacing. <laughs> Yeah. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know what? They, they And they fixed it. By the time they got to the second movie, they found their groove. Like, I really honestly believe that about, about Star Trek, the original series and the original series cast. You know, but what do you love about it? Why did it, why did it still become a big thing? It was an yep. amazingly futuristic look at life and society of where we could be. Yep. And you got to say, the three main characters, and I mean, and, and I know William Shatner, of course, it's iconic. Captain Kirk is iconic. There is nothing more more than to say than that. Leonard Nimoy Spock is iconic. But I got to tell you, I always love Bones. Yeah. Always. DeForest Kelly. DeForest Kelly. 
man, that, that, that character was absolutely perfect. That Abe was just phenomenal. I love him to this day. Yeah, so let's go all the way back to 1966. So Star Trek, where did it come from? Well, I say uh, many books and podcasts have been written about this, so I'm, I'm going to not give you the full history of anything. But basically, this is a space western. Uh, like it originally, what I mean, uh, cowboy shows were the biggest shows on television at the time, and so this was when he pitched it. Gene Roddenberry called it "Wagon Train to the Stars." Wagon Train was a hugely popular show that was just about people going from one place to another, and like they would roll into another area and have another adventure. Well, he's like, same thing, just in space. Uh, and he actually uh, referred to Captain Kirk as being Horatio Hornblower in space. It's the same kind of thing of like out in the wild sea and what's going to happen. It was interesting that uh, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, too. Uh, it actually had two pilot episodes. So they they had this idea and NBC was like, OK, well, well let's try it out. Because it, it, for those of you who don't know about early days, a pilot was something that was often made and never, ever seen. There are hundreds and hundreds of television shows that only got to ever do one episode and was never aired, and they're just sitting in a vault somewhere. Hopefully, if not, they are like Monty Python, where they got wiped over. <laughs> like, well, we need to reuse these tapes, so no one's going to want to watch these shows again. Doctor Who? Yeah, nah, who right. was going to want to watch that again? Just wipe. So they, they shot a pilot with a different captain, still had Leonard Nimoy as Spock, different first officer, and... It they came out and they showed it to them. They're like, ah, here's what you paid for. Super expensive because of all the sci-fi, the, the special effects. And NBC went, nah. <laughs> They're like, but we think the idea is good. Could you just try that again? Wow. <laughs> went, oh, okay. So they're like, well, we like the tall guy uh, with the pointy ears. Keep him. Fire everyone else. <laughs> And they, except for like they, they number one essentially like she ended up becoming a different character. They kept the actress uh, who went on to marry Jean Roddenberry, but they she uh, became a, a nurse instead of uh, being the first officer, which at the time was pretty. It's nineteen sixty six. First officer of the ship was a woman. Go Jean Roddenberry. Yeah, like how how cool is that? But they scrapped everything and they and they went back. And so that's when they uh, cast a, a veteran cowboy actor. William Shatner, along with a veteran cowboy actor, DeForest Kelly. <laughs> like they and they and and they fill out the rest of the crew as well. Um, so they they got to do it again and they came with the pilot and they went, Yes, that's what we want. And so they they put the show into production and it became the show that we know and love. But it was very different in the other one. Like they the the look was different. And like it, like we were talking about with Star Trek Discovery, you can go back because they directly referenced the episode the uh, events of that episode called the cage and then they end up reusing it in, in later in uh, to us it just gets confusing but <laughs> the fact that it had two pilots was pretty amazing because the concept was so strong they were willing to write another sizable check to try it again uh and so without that we there's there's so many ways that star trek could have gone terribly terribly wrong and we would never have gotten this far um but it's just one of the amazing things that happened so go ahead sorry the one thing i just want to say is because i always this is one of the things that always blows my mind you know who you have to thank for for star trek Lucille, oh, yeah. Lucille, Lucille Ball. Ball. Lucille Ball. That's right. Yeah. A what? <laughs> yeah, like I'd say, there's there there are so many 
roads that were there's so many alternate universes where star trek didn't happen and that is one of the things too because at the time uh lucille ball this was this was way past i love lucy time so this is in right. the if if you ever see you know lucille ball showing up on like dick cavett uh when she'd been you know smoking two packs a day and like had a very different voice than what we were used to that's the lucy that we're talking about from the from this period but she was running Desilu Studios, and so at the time they actually were making the Lucy Show, like her her, her later sitcom. And then once she oh, was going out, they they decided they were going to make two shows, and they were both super super expensive shows. Uh, one of them was called Star Trek, and the other one was called Mission Impossible. And it came to the point, and where where Lucille Ball had to sit down and go, hmm, which one of these do I want to financially support? Uh, and they had to go, uh, could we like maybe take on a bunch of debt and do both? And she's like, okay. And like, and that decision right there, Lucille Ball willing to take a chance on both of these shows have resulted in billions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, the other time that Star Trek almost died was after the first season because it was not a huge success. Like it was, it was a prime time show on NBC and it was not pulling in the numbers. But it got saved by another fantastic and powerful and brilliant woman named Bijo Trimble. Now, it actually is short for Betty Joanne, but she is one of the, I would say, deities of sci-fi. She loved Star Trek so much that she's like, we have to do something about this and organized one of the first letter writing campaigns. And it got to the point where they would get, you know, in the, like for a, a thing, they would get similar you know, a couple thousand, maybe a couple thousand letters, you know, for a popular show. And like, this is, there was, this is 1966. There was no other mass media way of getting your message across. So she organized this campaign on all the sci-fi conventions, which there were some along the way. And she would get uh, addresses of people and then write them letters and say, hey, they're going to cancel Star Trek. You need to write a letter to six people, you know, who watch the show and tell them to write a letter to the NBC. And tell six people they know and do it. And she did. And they were getting a hundred thousand letters yeah. a week. Yeah, it was huge. Like yeah. they like they they, they and even the, there's a, a story that she tells about how one of the executives came down to the mailroom and be like, Oh, like uh I, I wanna know like uh, where where are the letters for the show? And the guy's like, Oh, okay, and he goes over and he like pulls out a bag and dumps it on the floor, like, oh there's the there's the like like, oh, see, it's no big deal. Like, nobody really likes Star Trek that much. He's like, oh, you're here for Star Trek. Oh, follow me. And he goes and opens up a room, and the room is full of letters. He's like, we we didn't know where to set, where to, where to deliver them. Uh. <laughs> and they went, oh, no. And it got so insane that in midway through um, the airing of the first season, they actually had to have an announcement at the end of the episode Star Trek will be returning for season two. Please stop writing letters. <laughs> the only reason we are doing this show or, and it continues on is because of Bijo Trimble. She is 87 years old, living in Southern California, and deserves all the sci-fi love you can give her. Yeah. She's amazing. Uh, if you go back and listen on uh, one of Dana Gould, our podcast he does an interview with her and her husband, who also helped a lot too, but like she was the main instigator, and she is still sharp as a sharp as a tack and fantastic storyteller like man if ever there's one to make it behind the scenes about the star trek show that's the story you need to tell like don't tell about casting of william shatner you need to talk about bijo trimble do you know what just a little side note 
um, for those of you who are fans of a different science fiction property, Doctor Who, when Doctor Who celebrated its 50th anniversary, the BBC produced an amazing television movie about the making of Doctor Who. Yes. That absolutely. An adventure in space and time? Yes, adventure, Adventures in Space and Time. Yeah. Absolutely, that should be made about the beginnings and the making of Star Trek. Yes. One thousand percent. Yes. Same. Get the same people who made that. Just do yeah. it. That's the blueprint. Do it like that. Get Shatner in to film a scene at the end. Like, just like they like, <laughs> totally. Oh, my God. It would be amazing. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I would love it. <laughs> yeah. If they can do if they can do Bohemian Rhapsody. By God, yes. they can do the story of the making of Star Trek. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about where we're at in the timeline. So, this we're in, in the final frontier. So, the year is 2266. Now, that means that if you go by all the shows we've talked about, that these adventures have been preceded by Enterprise, Discovery, The Cage, that was the unaired pilot, and the upcoming show, Strange New Worlds. All of them have happened in, t in their entirety before this episode airs, just because math? I don't know. <laughs> like why? It's just yeah. because that's where they would decide they want to tell their stories. When we meet our, our hero, Captain James T. Kirk, um, he is not the first captain of the Enterprise. He is the second captain of this particular Enterprise because Captain Pike was the original captain. He is was in the unaired pilot of the cage. He shows up on Star Trek Discovery and he's going to be the lead in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So there is another captain. So it's interesting that they don't have him be like, he's not the one who christened the ship or anything. He's just like the latest guy with a job and yet ends up being one of the most popular captains in all of Starfleet and obviously probably the most popular or most well-known character. I don't know. Would you say that Spock or Kirk is more well-known Oh, uh, in, the, in the in the larger pop culture universe, no, and outside, and of, it, outside of track in the larger pop culture universe, it's Spock. The years, I think it has to be Spock. It's Spock. Yeah, yeah, so that's why. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy as Spock, just one name, Spock. Uh, he is the chief science officer, and then the chief medical officer is Bones, Lieutenant. Uh, I say Doctor McCoy, uh, who is the played by DeForest Kelly, and the three of them are really what forms the core of this show. Now, there's a lot of fantastic characters who have gone on to do everything and, and continue on, and we're going to talk a little bit about those, but I think it's that trinity that really is what makes this show because you have you know, the the brash, bold... I'm <laughs> trying to think of it. I'm, uh, everything, everything I can think of uh, to describe them uh, would not be appropriate for this uh, PG rated podcast. Um, uh, confident? Sure. <laughs> Bravado... Uh, Right, and so you, then you have like, yeah, oh, oh, you always, always, you know, um, right out there in front. No, don't let, don't let push him around. And then you've got Spock, who's very logical and calm, and, and like always wants to look at things from a distant, you know, uh, scientific perspective. And you have Bones, who is sort of like the guy leads with his gut and always says what he's going to think, and like is always going to be like, whoa, whoa, hold on, we shouldn't be. You know. And so the interplay between the three of them is really what the best of Star Trek, the original series, is. It's just, you can put the three of them on screen, talk about anything, and it's great. It's so, it you you can't undersell the dynamic of characters that the three core Star Trek original series characters have. And and I will say, like I've said, DeForest Kelly's my favorite. Bones, what is great about Bones is, Kirk, you know, is the, I mean, you know, you've got all these different archetypes, but... You know, Kirk is the the hot blooded guy who's going to go in fight. You He's going to punch the bad guys and kiss the pretty girl. Exactly. You've got you've got Spock, who is the, the exact opposite 
total, you know, baseline, emotionless, but a lot, you know, uh, and based in logic, obviously. But the one thing I've always loved about Bones is, is that Bones, you always got this idea that he is cantankerous, he is mm-hmm. moody, he is cynical, but at the end of the day, he will jump on the grenade before anybody else. Like he's the guy who is going to, he is the one who makes it work. Yeah. Between the two of them. Like I have always thought that like for real. And I know they explore that like later on, like, you know, in the movies, but he is, I don't know. I really believe this. I don't know if, if the Kirk Spock dynamic works without bones. I would agree with that. And the same thing, put any two, any combination of, of characters, those together. And it's, and it's magic. Yes. Totally. Here we are in in 2266. We have transporters. So like they're beaming from place to place. We don't have food replicators yet, but we have food synthesizers, which I'm not 100% sure what the difference is, but I know it involves cards. Like you have to put to pro, like you have to put multiple cards into a thing to get the food you want. It's still, there's not like a chef. They don't complain about the food, so it must still be pretty good, but we're we're using communicators. So obviously, this is 1966, and they were using a device you hold in your hand that you could use to contact people around the world. Unbelievable. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah, like they predicted way back then. That's like the only thing they didn't have is that ours don't have a little flip thing anymore. Like, but they did at one point. Uh, and they also have, and we're, we're at phasers as well. So they have uh, phasers, that of course, famously have two settings, stun and kill. Do you know, one of the things I really always loved about those, those, the original phaser, that was the two-part phaser, right? Where it actually had a phaser, was that the one that had two parts you could? Add? Yeah. Oh yes, right. That's like, right. Like you, you yeah. had the little, the little element that you could use just as a phase, like as a phaser, as a stun gun. But then yeah. if you put it into the pistol apparatus with the with the sort of the battery, yes, handle. yeah. Oh, I thought I think the design of that, and then and then you got into where you you got to see for your first time a tricorder, right? I mean, is it it? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Spock would carry around like a, a sort of a large scientific scanner device uh, that was about the size of an iPad, but thicker, and it had like a LED screen that would they could he would uh, you know used to do scientific research on. It was all reminiscent of what I always thought was like 60s photograph photography equipment, the black leather, like, you know what I mean? Like with the straps and everything, it, it all had that look. But, you know, you, you hadn't seen. So think about the 60s. I mean, what are what are we? You know, we're coming out of the space race in the in the 50s and getting people into space. You have the aesthetic that all connects all this. And then you got what, like 2001 A Space Odyssey comes yeah. out like near the end of this. There was a there was a very interesting, which I think helped really help the show was this idea of technology, but it being minimalist, because that's one of the neat things I think about this. All of those things you just mentioned, they're they're tools that they just have a couple of buttons and they do their job. Right. And like, that's it. So, I mean, they had a really nice look at what things could be and where things were going. So this was a a five year mission. So that was what they always said at the, at the beginning of it. Um, And so we only got to see like three years of this five year mission. Uh, They did chronicle some of the adventures in an animated series, which came after a lot. A lot of the voice actors went over and did their stuff too. But uh, unfortunately, Star Trek was tragically cut short uh, by the third season. It was canceled, and everybody thought that was it. But then the fan demand was, and, and the thing that they were trying to do, especially the campaign, is get them to 100 episodes because that's the only way that a show's got syndicated is if you hit that magic 100 episode. Even then, so even, then, fell, that's, yeah, even then, yes. even then, even uh, then. So Star Trek fell short of that, and so they thought that it was going to disappear in the archives and it would never be seen again. And so they. 
they campaigned for that too and eventually got it go and it became one of the highest rated syndicated shows of all time i mean like and it because by the time that we were watching shows in the you know late 70s early 80s it was still being shown i mean like what other show i mean you've got Adam's Family, Munsters, Gilligan's Island, and Star Trek. Like, what else made it out of that era right. uh, that still people talk about uh, to this day? Very, very, very few shows for the amount of things that came out. Like, nobody's watching old episodes of Adam 12. Emergency. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. That's right. Like, like there. I mean, the there's there isn't a big syndicated market for chips. You know, like no, the, there really that isn't. Was, that was big in our time. That just like came and went, and is will, n- will not be seen again. But you can still Star Trek is still uh, being aired right yeah. now too. So, why are we talking about it last? Well, <laughs> it is such a different show, not only from modern sci-fi shows. So, like if you think about Battlestar Galactica, if you think about Firefly, if you think about even Lost, those are really, really wrong comparisons because it is nothing like any of what we think of in modern sci-fi the the two things i can think of um that are better to think about when you approach the uh, series are well I, I can i can sum it up in in three words stately wayne manor because the 60s batman is much more analogous to star trek than it is to any of the rest of the the sci-fi shows it is bright colors it is overacting it is it is big big costumes and that kind of stuff and it also is so unlike any other version of what comes after the 60s batman is so different than any other batman incarnation but still has its fan and still has a a valid place in pop culture Uh, in the same way that star trek is very much the original series is very much a thing of its own. So different from Next Generation. So different from Deep Space Nine. So different from Strange New Worlds. And potentially, what that's going to be taking right. place in the same time period, and 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 entirely different than the the, the movie version of of the same kind of stories. Uh, and the other one that I would say for um, would be a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. Twilight Zone. Actually, this is very, very similar to Twilight Zone because these are morality plays. Oh, yes. Like, there's a lot of very, very direct references to what was going on in culture at the time. There's a a episode of of characters that are, they have black skin on the left side and white skin on the right side, and they hate the people with white skin on the left side and black on the left side. Like, ah, you get it? It's it's the same kind of thing. It's they are very direct references to what's going on about the Cold War, about racism, about sexism, like all these things in very very clear stories analogous to what is going on. I think those two. If you understand that it is a combination of the sixties sixty six Batman and Twilight Zone going into it there, you're going to have a much better time than if you go in expecting it to be like any of the other shows we've talked about in the previous four episodes. That's really funny that you mentioned the 60s Batman, considering that that episode you're mentioning about the, the two colored person. Yeah, the main one of the main characters is from the 60s Batman show playing right. a very popular character. That's right. Ends up uh, is yeah. in, the main character in that episode ends up playing the Riddler and probably within a year or so. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. He walked across the street and then <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, but he made the same studio. Like, uh, yeah, like you know, probably. Just down um, so uh, so it is a little bit good because. Yes, the, the acting is kind of hammy. 
and oh, the yeah. effects are kind of hokey and the makeup is kind of you know by our standards sort of uh, low rent but it was also at the time the best that they could do and and uh, and here's the thing i don't think anybody you wouldn't tell anybody if you want to if you want to dabble in this i wouldn't tell anybody oh watch all three seasons or watch a season no. no no listen you can you it's like throwing a rock you can Google top 10 episodes of the original Star Trek series. Yeah. You're going to get 2,500 lists yeah. and all of them are 60% right. <laughs> yep. And you can watch them in any order you want. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Besides some minor costume changes and uh, the James Kirk's initial in the sure. changing, nothing else matters. No, like, exactly. It's, like, it's, it's it, you don't need to like, like, oh, where's he at in his life now? Is he still? No, it doesn't matter. that's not that no, complicated. They're, they're all designed to just like, to really watch at any time, any point, any any order you'd like. And um, just like what we said in the previous episode, don't think that there's not any, like, guess what? There's Nazis. There's. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's yes. There are cowboys. Yeah, there's cowboys. There's yeah. gangsters. Like, there's Romans. We hit all. They hit all the buttons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is just one shade up from Lost in Space. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and, and so much so that they used a lot of the same props I, back and forth because yeah. waste not, what not. It's 1966. You can't just make up your own phase pistols every single time. True. Um, but uh, that being said, there is a lot of stuff they did that was really trendsetting and still to this day is, is where they had an international crew. Now, this was a big deal because 1966 was a tense time in the world. But suddenly the show comes up and not only is there an alien on the bridge, but there's a Russian. Whoa, wait a minute. We're at war with the Russians. And their communications officer is a black woman. What? Like you had a... Asian man, I don't think they even they said specifically what he was at the helm, Mr. Sulu. Like this was a big deal because there's all these people are just working together just because no, yeah, we're all just people. Right. Like in 1966, that was huge. Uh, and obviously talking about Nichelle Nichols, not only was she part of the first interracial kiss on television, uh, but she was like, I don't know if I should do it. I'm the only black woman on the show. Like, it's it's hard. Like, it's a, it's a crappy sci-fi show. Like, maybe I should leave. Martin Luther King Jr. said, you need to stay on that show. People need to see you because you're one of the crew and it's important. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah. So, obviously, is it is it the most evolved show? It isn't. There's still a lot of, like... Um, problematic stuff about oh. men and women oh yeah oh <laughs> it's yeah. still 1966 and some stuff you couldn't shake uh but it still was was for its time uh, it was going in the right direction uh and yeah and, and like rob was saying yeah, hit the highlights oh you know yeah. like if you really want to get into it go watch there's you know, sitting on the edge of forever and balance of terror and like there's a bunch of mirror mirror like, like there's a couple mirror, ones you uh, got a couple see. of tribbles like there's a couple of these yes. you, you can just jump right in watch it and you'll get it like right. when you go oh okay i see what's going on and if you love it then you can go back and watch the entire thing but i wouldn't just like i'm gonna start episode one and work my way through because you're gonna get about six episodes in and go ooh. And rarely do I, we have not said this because I know we've tried to stay away from this, but I'm going to just add this though. Once you've watched a couple of the episodes, yeah. then watch the Wrath of Khan <laughs> because, because really, well, no one actually watched that. There's that episode that connects to it, right? Like, because the rat, because you'll just, you won't believe how well it translates and how well, because there's a lot of things to be said about that. It, it, you get to see that cast really blossom 
in a in a much more uh accessible way for people so i would i would add that in yeah and i i would i would say of all of it um it's it's that trilogy. Now, if you can if you can get into the rhythms of shatner and that will be the hardest thing because he is hamming it up no no question about it but deforest kelly is so sincere uh-huh. and leonard nimoy is so transcendental just beyond that you're gonna love spock no matter what even in a terrible episode like spock's brain you're still gonna love spock <laughs> uh he's just a, a great character and he was a great character and he and uh there's a once you've uh fallen in love with Leonard Nimoy, uh, go watch For the Love of Spock, which is a documentary oh. that his son created, and it is it is amazing just to see what was going on behind the scenes of that. Um, so, uh, and so, that, so that here we are, part five, and that is my recommendations. Like, these are the things. So, if you can get through it, you know, go for it. But, like, I, I think this is this was my best that I could come up with about how to get into Star Trek for a new person. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you know, and you disagree with me, what a shock. <laughs> Welcome to being a Trekker. <laughs> it's just, I, I, Obviously, this is just my opinion. Uh, you can have your own about different ways to do it. And I'd be curious to hear um, other people who have gotten people into Star Trek and how. Uh, because I only talked about five shows. There are more. And so let's talk a little bit about those. And, uh, and I'm not going to defend myself, but I'm going to talk a little bit about them and, and why I didn't think they made the, my five. Uh, so let's talk about Star Trek Voyager. I got no problem with Star Trek Voyager. Star Trek Voyager is no better or worse than any of the rest of them. It has its own problems. It has its own thing. There is, uh, you know, a controversial cast change later on that uh, ruffled a lot of feathers and ended up creating one of the best characters in all of Star Trek. You know, what are you going to do? That is a, a show that was, I think, much more controlled by committee. It veered wildly from place to place as they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. Uh, but a lot of Star Trek shows were like that. I only didn't put it on here because it covers sort of the same basis as Next Generation. And so it's if you if you like Next Generation, you'll like Star Trek Voyager because it's the same kind of thing. It's it's really loose on plot. It's mostly episodic. It's one when they have a couple of ongoing running things to do, but for the most part, you can jump in and get it. So if 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 that's Enterprise, Next Generation, Voyager are all of a theme. So I would say if you like any of those, you'll probably like the other ones too. Uh, I don't get as emotionally invested in Voyager just because I found I never really found much of the crew people that I really identified with. So yeah. there's on Deep Space Nine, I loved all those characters. Next year, I loved all those characters. On Voyager, I loved a couple of them, but yeah. like there's a couple that I'm, I never really warmed to. And I think that was part of the inconsistent writing. I wouldn't blame the actors because I've met a couple of the actors and they have all been phenomenal. Uh, and they also did a great job on it too. But I, it, it just wasn't my show. So that's why I sort of didn't put it on there. But I don't have anything neg- against it. Uh, it's just, I think... For what I was trying to do, I think Next Generation is better for that category than Voyager is. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. Uh, the next one I would talk about would be Lower Decks. Now, Lower Decks is a currently airing animated show on uh, Paramount+. Plus. It is really funny, but really steeped in Star Trek lore. <laughs> well, Next Generation uh, and Next Generation lore. Especially Next Generation, yeah. yeah but, they, but they mentioned Deep Space Nine, so sure. they mentioned Voyager stuff. They mentioned all, like the original series, like they're all over the place. And also... Because it's its first season, what have we learned, folks? It is wildly different in tone. I feel like that show is three different shows 
all trying to compete for airspace. It's it's really enjoyable. I watched every single episode and I have not watched every single episode of almost any of the other shows. Like, you know, I haven't watched all of, I have not seen any of the original series animated series. I haven't watched all of the episodes of, of the original series, but I've watched every episode of Lower Decks. So that goes to show you that uh, it's not just about like, eh, like, no, actually I, I really enjoyed it. And I, li- I really like the characters and where they're going, but that show really needs to find uh, a definite place where it needs to stand and uh, before they start taking swings at everything. If you if you watch it, here's just one thing to know. I don't mean to pigeonhole it like this, but it's like Family Guy set in Star Trek. I mean, it's that yes. type of humor. And yes. here's the thing. I, I, I would actually I would actually say Rick and Morty. Oh, maybe. Okay, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty is a better, be, yeah. totally better uh, analogy. Here's the thing. Yeah. You'll get in the first episode. And I guarantee you, if you like Star Trek in any way, you'll say to yourself, I can't believe this show got made. Yes. Yeah. Especially if you're a Star Trek fan and you watch it, you're like, I cannot believe this is actually a real thing. Because it it is reverent to continuity and yet still has fun within the universe without making fun of Star Trek. And hugely irreverent. It is is very irreverent, but it doesn't be like, ha ha, Star Trek is dumb. Oh, no. Awesome. It's a wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, we love it too. Like, I, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they are some unbelievable deep cuts that they'll do. Yes, so they'll just reference like one character appeared in one episode and just leave it. They don't make a big thing of it. They'll just like drop it there and then just move on. You go, do they? Were they actually just referencing the? You know, when we were talking originally about this, you were shocked that I did not choose probably the best of all Star Trek films, which is The Wrath of Khan. As the and my defense of that is, I don't think it's indicative of. Star Trek as a whole. Right. I think Wrath of Khan is a phenomenal film, but isn't like any of the other Star Trek movies. So it's hard to bring people in and go, Wrath of Khan. You go, oh my God, that was amazing. What else is like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's one with whales. Uh, well, you would make, well, there's a Next Generation movie that you could kind of make the case to, but I, I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like like uh, uh, every, everyone skips uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, because <laughs> it's uh, really really deliberately paced you gotta really love star trek you really do yeah i mean and let me tell you they they made a director's cut and it was longer (laughs) yeah it it is that was long to begin with you just have to really love it and if you watch any of there's so many youtube videos you can watch about the making of it and the whole thing that went into it and i will tell you you'll appreciate it Oh yeah, but but yeah, but, but don't start like that you, you'll appreciate more than enjoy. I would yeah, say. <laughs> that's so, exactly it. So yeah, that's that's the thing that I was thinking about that in terms of of uh, the original series as well. Important versus timeless. It's much yeah. more important than it is yeah. timeless. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think uh, they did six movies. the 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 rule always was uh, even numbered Star Trek films don't suck. That's so it basically, if you want to get into it, I would say two, four, six, like that's fine. But, but that being said, if you like it, you're going to like the other ones too. Well, no, exactly right. Yeah. The first one, very, very marginal. The fifth one, yeah. almost as marginal. Yeah. But I will tell you though, if you asked me, what's my favorite Star Trek? What's my, fa- what's my, well, what's my favorite original cast Star Trek film? Hey, Rob, what's your favorite original cast Star Trek film? No contest. Six. Oh, the undiscovered country, the undiscovered no country. contest, that, and I would say that is the most Star Trek of the of the six movies. Exactly, because yes. it's really t- tightly tied into the universe. 
Yes. Including, and and, and it is a wonderful appearance by a next generation cast member. I mean, that was the height of where the next the, the original cast could go, could go. Yes. I mean, cuz that was coming out while the next generation is on yeah. the, the the airwaves and and it was and it was the send-off, it was the official send-off of the original the total original cast. Yep. It's still to, to this day. That's my. That's one of my favorite Star Trek films of all time. And then Next Generation went on. They did four feature films as well, and and the same thing. The same rule applies. Uh, not fifty percent good. Uh, it, it, uh, yeah, that that cast did not make the transition to feature films as smoothly as the original series cast. Maybe it was age. Maybe it was because they were not still, their fault. They, had, they were still doing the job. Yeah, and they were just like, oh, yes. like, uh, now uh, you're fired from your television show. Go make a movie. And it was like, oh, okay. I think that's number one. Also, uh, they at, towards the end they got saddled with just yeah. Nah, yeah. bad decisions. Yeah, the, I, I feel bad that the final next generation film was probably the worst. Oh, of yeah, the Star it's, Trek movies. It's well, and bad. even Insurrection. Insurrection is. I, I have a soft spot uh, for Insurrection because I feel like I, X. X, X Insurrection is a really good next generation episode, which doesn't make yes. a great movie. Oh, that's exactly right. No, that's episode. exactly right. That's exact. That's exactly right. And, and when we talk, and we've been talking about like which ones the the the, the consumer one was first contact. First contact yes. was made yes. to be just yeah, yeah exactly. action that, that's horror movie in space. That is that is the wrath of Khan of the next generation thing, where like anybody can Absolutely. walk in and you can have a good time at first contact. It's a, it's, it's, and actually, if you if you want to get into it, I would highly recommend just that one because it's about the events that cause the, the Star Trek Enterprise to happen. Full circle. We're right back to the other one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's right. So let's talk about alternate timelines because we need to talk about J.J. Abrams. So uh, Star Trek was dead. Like it was like there were no movies. There was nothing happening. It was it was crickets. And so they went to young Wunderkind, uh, the savior of several franchises, Mr. J.J. Abrams, and said, please, please do some Star Trek for us. Uh, And so he decided to tell Kirk's story again. He's going to reboot the universe. So I'm going to say, I have to give props where it is because he didn't have to do what he did. He could have just been like, uh, new guys playing Kirk, new guys playing Spock, new guys playing Bones. Here we go. But instead, he decided to honor all the stories that had gone before and not wipe them away. So... What we refer to this as the Kelvin timeline. Um, I know you don't you don't need to as as a new viewer, but the idea is that the Spock that we have seen from the original series, who shows up in Next Generation, he has continued on and time travels back to chase people who are time traveling, and ends up causing a splinter and a, and a new timeline is formed, and from that things have changed. So technology has changed. All these things have changed. And the reason I call it the Kelvin timeline is because the Kelvin is the ship that's there at the uh, place where this time traveling ship emerges. And so from that, Kirk's life has changed. Spock's life has changed. Bones life has changed. And so they're recast essentially and it's new adventures, but it's the, about how they first met, first came together, how Kirk first became Captain Enterprise. Totally different than what happened in the original series, but it's its own timeline. So from there, they did two more movies after that. And they broke the rule because it was an odd-numbered Trek film, and it's awesome. And they oh, made yeah. a even-numbered film, and it was terrible. And then they made an odd-numbered film, and it was actually pretty good. Uh, you know so, what? Oh, so I, so yeah. I, why didn't? But why did I put this on my list? Well, because 
it's a dead timeline, first of all. And second of all, it's not indicative of any other Star Trek. So it's like, is Star Trek from J.J. Abrams a great movie? Yeah, I think it is. Like, I think you can really go in and have a great time with it. But I would say stop there <laughs> because it's not like any other Star Trek out there. I hated Star Trek Into Darkness just because they took the greatest stuff from <laughs> Ratha Khan reheated it, reserved it to us, and tried to be like, huh, look, it's the same thing again. You like this, you like it again, even though I changed the colors on some of the stuff. And lens flare, eat it up, nerds. Can I tell you something though? No. Oh, wait, I'm gonna tell you still, but in darkness, here's the issue. If you're going into this cold, you you made like into, into darkness, right? Here's the problem. The problem is not to get, not one well, no, spoiler, they lied. They, yes, flat they, lied. Lied they flat out lied to everybody lied to the fans. about a major annoying. about a major character and they lied flat out and it's exactly what people thought it was and and then that's what ruined it like i think people just hated being lied to plus yes they retreaded it but if you didn't watch the original version of the tread it's not a bad movie it has amazing special effects amazing special it's, effects i'll give you it, it has a moment of gratuitousness that we won't even discuss because it's so yeah. horrible and they all agree with it today worst moment but, of star trek it, yes, but it has its moments. But the third movie, Beyond, which, yes, but not a lot of people realize this, is the 50th anniversary celebration of Star Trek. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I really liked Star Trek Beyond. I thought it was a really good, but once again, I liked it in the same way I liked Insurrection. It was a really good episode, but it yeah. like as, as like a huge, gigantic movie that they like, uh, like to put up there against all the Star Wars movies or anything else. No. No. No, not not really. Hey, listen, uh, it, Beastie Boys. Was, Beastie Boys got to eat. That's that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> and so that is done. Like so, like basically, there's no more of that. That, that we. I mean, at this at this point, as as time of recording, there's all these ideas about other structure, but like the 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 Kelvin timeline is basically finished. So you watch them as a piece, but I would not say that that is. That is how you should experience Star Trek. But I also am not yucking anyone's yum. If you enjoy the movies, great. Like, go forth and watch them. I'm not saying don't watch them. I'm saying if you're going into Star Trek, that's not the way to get in because it doesn't. It's, it's a road that doesn't go anywhere. It is It is a roller coaster. It goes one place, loops around, does crazy stuff, and then you end up right back where you started. The rest of Star Trek is a, is a journey. But what about what comes next? So let's talk a little bit about the future of Star Trek. So we have... Uh, the new season of Discovery is coming out in the fall. Of I, I, don't, I assume you're listening to this relatively concurrently from when we recorded it. So in the fall of 2021, uh, Discovery season four is coming out. Uh, around about the same time, we don't exactly know for sure, um, a brand new series is launching out, The Adventures of uh, Captain Christopher Pike. Uh, who was the original captain of this that version of the Enterprise? It is called Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. And we've told it's much more of a throwback, much more similar to the procedural things we talked about with Enterprise and Next Generation, where they go to a place, they have an adventure, they fly away. But I would imagine there's still going to be a recurring uh, theme and story going on there. And also, his first officer uh, is uh, a woman, which is you know the, what they originally wanted to do in, in the cage. And his science officer is Mr. Spock. So we're actually going to get to see the young Spock adventures. Uh, he obviously is a part of Star Trek Discovery, but here it is sort of the Spock we know. Uh, the other one was much more of a, of a, of a different uh, Spock than we were used to. This one is much more the methodical, logical, uh, acerbic 
uh, Spock that we that Leonard Nimoy uh, perfected. There is a new animated series coming called Star Trek Prodigy, uh, which will star the captain of uh, Star Trek Voyager, a holographic recreation of Catherine Janeway. So Janeway will actually be back as part of that show. And that is much more of a, I guess, Avatar Last Airbender, sort of like young animated, uh, exciting show. It's not going to be a comedy show like L- Lord Dexis. It's going to be much more of a youth adventure. And she's going to be uh, sort of their AI guide as they're uh, navigating through. I'm not exactly sure where that's set. I, ha- I-, I couldn't find much about it because it is so brand new that they're they're just starting to talk about it now. And they've just actually revealed her character. And then there are lots of Star Trek movies in development. Who knows what's going to come from there? Uh, and then there's a new season of uh, Picard starting and uh, a lot of return. But it involves returning a lot of old friends, which you don't know if you're a brand new viewer. But <laughs> enjoy next generation now, like while you're while you can, and so you'll be ready for uh, Picard season two when that premieres. And that is our trek through the stars. And woo. <laughs> well done. Well, thank you. I, I hope that uh, people got some of this. So uh, those are those are my five recommendations uh, for getting into Trek here in Stardate nine eight nine zero four point three five. And yes, that is the actual star date. If you can figure out how to translate that, you'll see exactly when this was recorded. Hey, um, can I just add? Listen, so this has been enjoyable. You've done a great job. I think I think your love for this, and and you know, I I have love for it, but I know you. This is a huge part of your your geekdom, right? Yeah. And I will just say that if anybody were to say, well, why you know why do I care about this? Star Trek's not going anywhere now. No. Star Trek. In terms of, and yes, it's Paramount Plus. I mean, that is the home of Star Trek until yeah. otherwise notified of acquisitions or, or other things. Yeah. They are investing a ton into it. Yeah. It has a it, it has a thriving fan base. Maybe it's not as big as some other properties, right? Like the Marvel or other things, but it is a devoted fan base. They are continuing to branch out. They have something for everyone, which is, I think is what you're seeing. Yeah, and that and that's exactly why I structured it this way. Exactly uh, because the, these these five things are are, are weren't, I, I did them in in order of taste, not in terms of quality. I'm hoping that this will whet your appetite enough to go out and sample some of these things as you would at, at a restaurant, which is what we've been you know, metaphoring this whole time thing. And maybe you'll find something that is is to your liking. And I hope. That uh, when you do that, you'll come back and let us know. Totally. So I hope you have enjoyed your trek through the stars. Uh, we will see you further out there in the galaxy. And so for now, Captain's Orders, do something nice for yourself. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the next chapter in the Curiosity Codex, but there are still many pages left to decipher. We're part of the True Story FM family of podcasts. Find out more about us at truestory.fm. Our theme music is Intrusion by Severed Personality, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. The voice of the Codex is Vicki Hall. Find her on the web at vickihall.squarespace.com. My co-host is Rob Cabosco. Find him with me on the Marvel Movie Minute podcast. And my name is Kyle Olson. The Codex is closed for now. <laughs>